Our Old Testament reading today is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 7 to 14. For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor together. A great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm appointed for this Sunday is Psalm 84. Uh, we're going to read this responsively. This is a wonderful psalm. Um, probably many of you have read it. Um, so let's begin. How lovely are your dwellings, O Lord God of hosts. My soul has a desire and longing to enter into the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. Indeed, the sparrow has found her a house, and the swallow a nest where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Blessed is the one whose strength is in you, whose heart are your ways, who, who going, going through the valley of misery, uses it for a well. Indeed, the early rain fills the pools with water. They will go from strength to strength, and the God of gods shall be seen by them in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Hearken, O God of Jacob. Behold, O God, our defender, and look upon the face of your anointed. For, For one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the, the Lord God is a light and a defense. The Lord, the Lord will, will give grace and honor. And, and no, no good thing shall he withhold from those who live a godly life. 
O Lord God of hosts, blessed is the one who puts his trust in you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As, As it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning, is, is now, now, and, and ever, ever shall be, world without, without end. end. Amen. Amen. Our New Testament reading today is from the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, verses 3 to 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Lord Jesus Christ be glorified. God be the um, be the goal of all of our hearts. Be the desire of each of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, please be seated. Um, good news. Jay gave me permission not to do anything today. I mean, well, lead the service, but not to preach. There's no way. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. No, actually, I told him. I said, Jay, is it okay if I preach? And he said, are you kidding, brother? I talked to John, okay, June's husband earlier, and he couldn't be here because he's quarantining like Jay. And um, John said, preach very dense, confusing, and for a very long time. <laughs> so those are the marching orders I have been given. Now, the, uh, I, I mentioned before the beginning of the service that, interestingly, I don't know that I've ever led a service on Christmas too, because it always falls, it usually falls right between the 25th and the 1st, and after um, the Christmas season, I do, you know, it's very busy, including a, a service I always, always do on, on the uh, Christmas day itself, and so the family would take vacations after that, and, and when I read the, uh, I found out yesterday I was going to be leading the service, uh, and you know, didn't have a whole lot of time, and I read the readings, and I thought, this, how tough can it be? It's Christmas time, you know? And I read the readings, and immediately it was like, I've never done this service before. Because the readings, it's not that they're hard, it's that the, the, the connection is not obvious. So you read Jeremiah, and you got this great promise that God offers. He offers it to Israel, but it's also a foreshadowing of it being offered to the future true redemption of God, which will be through his church. So as, as Jay, Jay is a tremendous preacher, and he does exceedingly good exegesis, to putting us in context with how the Old Testament, through biblical theology, how the text of the Old Testament winds up being relevant to us today. And, and Jeremiah is no, no different than that. Um, going to get done. Come on in, man. Good to see you guys. Come on. Uh, Jeremiah is no different today. It's talking to Israel, but it's also a foreshadowing of, of God's redemption that will come ultimately through his son and fulfilled in his church, us. Not necessarily Israel anymore, but it's his church. So, in Jeremiah, we have this uh, promise offered. And then we turn to Paul, and, and the first chapter of Ephesians is this big, gigantic explanation point of a text. I mean, Paul is almost shouting it from the rooftops, you know, the promise fulfilled. So, Jeremiah has got this big promise that someday, someday, and Paul is announcing that day has come, and this is your inheritance. Paul is um, speaking to the church. He is not speaking to, this is not a message really for the outside world. This is a message that is for the church, the people who are in Christ Jesus. And what he's announcing to them is that we have stepped into, inherited a new life. We are, we have been adopted by God himself into his holy family, into his holy kingdom. And for Paul, 
And he's trying to make sure that we would understand there is nothing that he can announce that is of greater significance. So these two readings, we have a, a promise offered and that a promise fulfilled. And then we go to the gospel. And, well, I guess there's a promise there about Bethlehem, you know? Sure. Is that really what it's about? Eh. I mean, it's true. God, you know, the, 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 the uh, birth of the Christ in, in Bethlehem was prophesied, and it's an important prophecy because it's a little outpost there. And, and uh, is, that really, is that really what that's about? Because it could have been anywhere. Let me put it this way. The, prom the promise God made in Jeremiah was the promise we had to have, right? And the promise fulfilled in, in Ephesians is the promise we had to have fulfilled. But what difference did it make if God had chosen um, Bethlehem Prose or Stanton, you know? It means as long as his prophecy came true. So, so that, that essential human need to be re into the family of God had to be fulfilled but it could have been done anywhere he chose Bethlehem so it was fulfilled but is that really what the gospel's about I don't know what the people of the that do lectionaries were thinking about this probably just that but I see a much bigger point here I don't know about you guys but my favorite movie in the whole world is It's a Wonderful Life. You might have seen it this year, or is that just an older generation thing? Well, my favorite movie might be The Matrix. I don't know if you all seen that or not. It might be The Dark Knight Returns, the middle Batman movie. Or Star Trek, I don't know. It, but anyway, no, uh, the, uh, the um, Wonderful Life is, Wonderful Life is kind of written this way. It starts out with, uh, in real time and then it shoots forward excuse me it it, it, it starts out telling this story of uh, of a man who's in desperate need all the prayers are going up right and then the story shoots forward to sort of give a, 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 a clarence context of why this man's prayers are so important and then it sort of drops in right about the time of the George Bailey story. So we, the movie winds up having context because we know, his, we know from the very first couple of minutes of the story, we know that he is in trouble now because prayers are going up. And we also know that he, from the very earliest childhood, he had sort of a special call upon him, it would seem. Then, with those two bracket bookends, then we get dropped into the story of George Bailey. And it's kind of the same way here. We get dropped into the middle, into the story of Jesus, in between these two bracketed bookends. A promise offered and a promise fulfilled. Now, the story begins. And what story is this? It's not a story of anything less than the Christ. And how does the story begin? Well, in some ways it began with the calling of the census and them traveling to Bethlehem. And in some sense, it maybe it began with the wise men. But for most of us, the truth is the story of Jesus Christ 
begins on his trip to Egypt. Because, see, that's, we have one thing that we can be very thankful for. We worship a God who is not unaware, double negatives there, right? Not unaware of our sufferings and our struggles. We worship a God who paints the picture accurately of what the consequences of this fallen world is. The Christ child himself is not just simply having to make this journey to Bethlehem. He's not simply born in a stable. Now he's got to flee to Egypt because of a dream that Herod, a very bad person, was to kill him, intended to kill him. So our journey with Christ begins here. And, and it comes right in the middle of these two bookends. We have a promise that God has made, and we are all aware of this. And we have a promise fulfilled, and we all rejoice in this. But this is an invitation to follow in Jesus' footsteps. And it begins by the Christ child, the Son of God, traveling to all places, Egypt. Um, I have a, uh, I, I, I don't know, I tell stories, that seems to be the best way for me, I know how to tell things. And, um, back in Pittsburgh, I had a good friend who was a parishioner and he came to me around his early 50s. I said, David, can we talk? And I'm not going to share his name because I'm hoping someday he'll be here. I'm just going to call him Joe. And so Joe said, hey, can we talk? And I said, sure, what's up? He said, well, I, I want to share something I've never shared before. What you got? He said, it hasn't worked. He goes, I'm, real, I'm at an age now where I have to acknowledge that none of my plans worked. All of my goals, they're not gonna be achieved. Now he's talking from a human man standpoint where we men do this, we establish this idea in our head of what it looks like to be a successful man, husband or, or father, we do. And so Joe is coming to me really broken needing somebody to simply say to, to, to share with, it hasn't worked. And I listened to him and, and we talked and I tried to help him understand that God had greater plans for him and maybe than his plan, but I don't know that the cock really satisfied him. But I wanna go back to Joe now because of this sermon Excuse me, just preparing for this sermon, I can't understand that I have a different message for Joe now. And here's the message. Joe, your goals, your desires were so, they're okay, but they were so small in the eyes of the Lord. You were looking how to be a man in this world, and God had something greater for you, and that is to be a man in the kingdom. Let me tell you, Joe, about how God sees you. And let me tell you about how the heavens rejoice. So here's Joe's, the rest of Joe's story. He spends uh, multiple days a week in a bicycle shop, finding old bicycles that get donated. He goes out and finds them. He restores the bikes. 
and he gives them to kids. I don't know how many bikes he's given away, but to kids who've never had bikes before. That's what he does. Oh, he's also got this blind friend. I've met him. I've met him because Joe has taken him to baseball games, the Pirates games, and, and I go with the Joe, and, and here's his blind friend. Joe goes to his blind friend's house multiple days a week to make sure that he's okay, to make sure that he's not alone. So, oh, he's also been a husband and provided. He's been a father and raised his son who's up in the faith. And I'm looking at Joe and, and I'm thinking, kind of like a wonderful wife, life. Joe, let me tell you what a big man is. Your goals were small. Not to say they were bad, and, but let me tell you, God had something better for you. So in between these bookends, the beginning, a promise made, and, and in the, in the, on the other side, a promise kept, is our lives. Those of you that were here the first time I preached, you might remember that I spoke about how we preach with our lives every day. And most of our preaching is done in the mundane. Most of our preaching is simply done in day-to-day-to-day events. We're not usually fighting uh, Goliaths, or, or maybe we are spiritually, because that's the point. We see through the eyes of the world but what would God be seeing through his eyes about our life? For Joe, for George Bailey, there was a heart that was bigger than going to South America or building the airports and bridges and 100-story buildings that George Bailey wanted to build or building the business that my friend Joe wanted to build. I promise you, the, the, the story of, of, of George Bailey giving, despite his internal angst of what he really wants, his victory is in that he gave. Joe gives. He's given, he gives, he will give, and the heavens rejoice. So where am I going here to, and to finish this up? It's this, guys. We, as Christians, sometimes live in this announcement of a promise made, and then sometimes we then shift over and announce the promise kept, and that's good. But the world doesn't really... Oh, and by the way, both George Bailey and as sort of a metaphor for how to live, maybe? George was a sinful man. I don't know if he really paid attention to wonderful life. He's angry. He's frustrated he didn't get his way. But he's always obedient in the end to the, to his, the depths of his heart, who he is. And the same with my friend Joe. He wanted more of what he wanted, but he always gave what God desired. Or he can be characterized by that. In the end, friends, our journeys are not so much about what we announce. Oh, we've got to announce it. But our journeys will have meaning. Our journeys will have context out in the world. And people will listen to us when we live in the middle of those two bookends. 
realize that my life is a witness to our God and how I live matters. Proclaiming a promise kept is awesome. But how much more awesome when we live in the middle of that promise kept. So when I saw the readings and I thought, what the heck is he trying to are the electioneriers or whatever they might be called who craft these things? What are they trying to do? Uh, probably trying to now link it to Bethlehem or or maybe to the wise men or now, what I want to link it to is Jesus beginning a humble journey that will continue for 33 years until the cross. And it begins by him making this journey to Egypt. And it was not what probably Mary was expecting, giving birth to the Son of God. And our plans don't always go the way we want them to go. The question is, do we believe God is in all that we, everywhere we go? And will we follow him? And will we be most concerned with following him? In the end, uh, I guess appetites, appetites, appetites are written. I want mine to say something like, oh man, I got preached forever and ever and ever. And he drove us crazy. Maybe, maybe for all of us, it will be and he went to Egypt when the Lord called him to Egypt. How we live our life, we preach daily. Announce the promise, proclaim the promise fulfilled, but remember every day of your life, you are a testimony of that promise. Friends, preach well. Lord, we um, thank you for the trip to Egypt because in it, you identify with us. God, you did not cut any corners. You did not take any privileges that you could have taken. You fled because of, a, of an evil king. You returned when he died and then in a story that just is beyond them. God, your story is not how we would have written it. God, thank you for the way you wrote it and for Jesus Christ, obedience unto his story. We pray this in Jesus' name.